Hey, Creepers, just wanted to put this little note in here before we start the episode. This episode does deal with some heavy matter. We do discuss suicide. We discuss rape. We discuss uh, the murder of children and infants. So it can be very triggering. Please be aware that this is going to be a little bit more of a heavier episode in terms of some of those topics. Uh, and also, you know, we always like to we put this out there. You know, if you ever feel like you need to talk to somebody, if you're ever feeling like, you know, you're kind of at the end of your rope, there are people that are available. The you know, there's a suicide hotline. Um, there's crisis services in your area. So please, if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, make sure to do so. And now on with the show. The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to a new episode of That's Odd. That's right. It's a brand new episode of That's Odd. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Townsend. I do not know why I'm trying to talk like Shatner, but here we are. Uh, And I'm joined by Christopher. Chavez. Hello, Johnny. How's it going? What if we did the whole episode like this? This is my good friend, Bill Shatner over here. You know, he just turned 90 years old, William Shatner. I saw that, dude. That is insane to think about, isn't it? It really is insane to think about. And then it makes me think, what does that even feel like? Do you know what I mean? I what know. does it feel like to I be feel, 90? I feel decrepit at 38. So I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. Right? Yeah. Um, My God. Think of the things he's witnessed in his lifetime. Oh, wow. Yeah. The firsts of everything. He obviously grew up pre-computers, internet, all that stuff. Now look at where he's doing cameo videos yeah. for he's very active. He's very active on Twitter. <laughs> It's I always so wonder. Weird. I always wonder. Are those handlers or, or like a, a no? It's, or yeah, it I think it's definitely now? him because it comes off like an old man yelling at clouds sometimes. <laughs> That's one hundred percent him. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's wild to think of that, man. But yeah, this is that odd. But before we get into it, Chris, yes, uh, we were starting to have a discussion that mm-hmm. I think is is quite important. As of this recording, the Easter holiday is around the corner and it was brought up and I'm, and I know we're not the only ones to bring this up. Right. Uh, Why, why eggs? Why hide eggs? Rabbit hide eggs. Why? (laughs) Yeah. I've, you know, I remember being a kid wondering that as well. And I remember being super confused when I found out that rabbits don't lay eggs. So yeah. the Cadbury commercials were so wrong for kids. Cause if you remember the old school commercials had the little rabbit that was sitting there and yes. then when he yep. moved away, it looked like he had laid an egg. And then he barked like a chicken though, even though he was a rabbit, some sort of clucking, right? Be, yeah. His little nose is moving, but it's clucking. You yes. know what I mean? Uh, yeah, dude. Like we were told, we were sold a lot of lies, right? A whole lot of lies. <laughs> um, our childhood was lies basically man yep. our a lot of our childhood was was just a whole ton of lies yeah just being um, sold lies left and right could you imagine man having it's grown up like my with dating like my dating profile <laughs> currently just selling lies 
left and right. You imagine yeah. having having grown up in the age of the internet and like finding all these truths out immediately. Like there was no more like this nonsense lying of rabbits <laughs> laying eggs. I or... think that's how QAnon got so huge. Is all these people <laughs> feel they got lied to, <laughs> and uh, now they don't believe anything except for what some random. They're just done. Posted. They're done with yeah. all the lies, right? Um, yeah. One of the things about this, though, okay, hiding eggs. This became a tradition. And again, you know, I don't know why. I mean, maybe we've discussed it in the past and we knew at that time. I don't remember. I'd have to look into it. But uh, right before we started recording, one of the things I was I I said and, and, and I was thinking it's it's so this was a thing. Right. So when you were a kid. Did your parents or, or did the church or wherever it was, did they hide eggs or did they hide an Easter basket that you had to find? We, I, as as a family, we may have done Easter basket a couple times. Hidden? Not much. Like you had to find it? No, they were just given to us. Same here. But yeah. uh, when it comes to finding eggs, though, my grandparents would do that. And all the grandkids would go over there and we would hunt for eggs that would be hidden out in the yard and stuff like that. And like every once and every uh a random egg would have like a dollar bill in it or something like that oh nice that yeah so so i'm the same i grew up with you know you woke up in the morning and the basket was kind of sitting at your your place at the table or or wherever it was uh and then you know you went looking for the eggs if you went to church or you went like your grandparents whatever um so who said it had to end like when did like when did yeah. like who made the decision that at a certain age you're too old to have fun and look for eggs. Like who decided that? That's a great question. That's it's the, great it's the question. same person that decided that between this age and this age, you can't dress up for Halloween anymore, but past this age as an adult, it's cool. And younger than this age as, as a kid, it's cool. But in this group, you're not allowed to do it. Right. Like and, and it always, it always kind of feels like it's peer pressure too. Right. It's always, well, at least for me, it was always kids my age, you know, I still distinctly remember getting into a heated argument. I do mean heated argument with this kid in second grade over Santa Claus. Uh, and I, it was heated, man. It was heated. And, uh, uh, you know, just similar things would happen. Like you're not, you know, you're not supposed to believe in Santa Claus anymore. It, it's fun. You know, it's just a fun thing and it's not hurting anybody. Uh, yeah. You know, same thing with the uh, Easter eggs. We may not get why it happens, but you know, if you see a little kid out there hunting for Easter eggs, they got a big goofy smile on their face. You know, who who cares? Just let them yeah. hunt for Easter eggs. Uh, and let me hunt too. Maybe I'll get a big goofy smile on my face. If, if you're in the mall, you don't tell the kid that that's just the guy in an Easter bunny suit. You yeah. let him believe that that's a legit mystical creature that comes around once a year to let you sit on his lap. Disneyland and Disney World literally have a hidden underground area so the people who play the characters can go there to undress. So no kid will ever see Mickey Mouse take his head off because it happened one time <laughs> and that kid was traumatized. <laughs> that's amazing. And Walt oh, Disney was man. like, no more, sir. No more. Yeah. And that's why they have those underground areas now. I'll tell you what. I'm, I want to lead the movement for uh, the idea behind egg search, you know, the egg hunt it, uh, on Easter be brought back for adults the way dressing up for Halloween has been. And we did always, not always, but we would often dye the eggs. Did you? Did your family ever get to do that too? We would yes. dye them. We did the dyeing with the. It's a specific brand. I can't think of it now. Yes, it was just right yes. here. It was right on the tip of my tongue, and it just went away. But it's a specific brand that we used to do, with that vinegary smell. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But then more recently, I started seeing people paint them, like go to town with painting them. Have you ever done that or just straight up die I've never, with I've a little seen wire? I've seen it, but it was always the wire thing for us yeah. as kids. And I like that. Yeah. What's wrong with yeah. that, right? And the they favorite part was, was taking the shell off and then seeing that the egg underneath had gotten dyed, like all like yeah. dye dyed. You know what I mean? The worst part is when you couldn't find the egg. <laughs> you later. wait a few weeks later, you'd find yeah. that egg. <laughs> Certainly. In the middle of there's, summer. There's a great Bob's Burgers episode about that. And, yes. and the joke was if they didn't find the egg, they were going to have to literally, they were, they were legit going to have to burn the whole apartment down. <laughs> yes. Because that's the only that. way to get that smell out. <laughs> I remember that. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, I'm, I'm bringing that back. I, I'm gonna, we're we're going to start fighting. We're going to make a movement. We're going to bring back the egg hunt for adults. I mean, you can have fun with that, right? Plastic eggs yeah. and put in like adult, like little, those little mini like shots, shot bottles or, or those little chocolate liqueurs with the, with the liquor in the middle. You know what I mean? Um, that could be the adult piece of it. Or just for me, I'm good with just the candy. I'm, I'm, yeah, cool so I'm about to say, just put some candy in there and I'm down for it. I am good. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so that's coming around the corner. It's it is interesting though the the idea behind bunnies and eggs. I don't know, um, but this is that's odd. And, and some bunnies are odd. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we are discussing odd things today, Johnny. You've got something in store for us. I'm excited to hear it. Yes, I do. I discovered this man. I've I'm going to have to try to find one of his books. I've never read any of them, and I am ashamed. Wait, are you serious? I am ashamed that I am just now hearing about this man. I discovered him. Oh, I was today years old. Uh, his name is Charles Fort. Have you heard of that name, Chris? Uh, not that name, no. Okay. What name were you thinking? <laughs> just out of curiosity. <laughs> then I believe it's the name that you told me you were doing before we started recording. I don't remember what the name. I didn't tell you a name. Who you're Did writing I? about, or who you're who you're talking about? Oh, yeah, that's for uh, Johnny knows. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then no, I do not know, dude. I thought I totally thought you were doing Doctor Seuss here. So when you were saying I, I, you didn't I read just, it, I was like, I, wait a second, are you serious? No, I read a lot of I read, I read a lot of Doctor Seuss. That's why. The, I, that's what threw me off initially. Yeah. So <laughs> except for the uh, problematic ones, I, I do not remember this. So creepers to to make that make sense, right? Before we started recording, Johnny was talking about his next episode for his series Johnny Knows, which you could find at the Creeper Clubhouse, Patreon.com/slash History Creeps, uh, but. His next one he's doing is on Dr. Seuss. So when you were started talking about this, I yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, realized that I, I wrote two reports. I call them reports, but I did two things of notes today on two different authors. Those are reports, dude. That. It's like that's exactly what you went to school for, right? Yeah. That, that's all now starting to pay off. You're writing reports when you. Tell I still handwrite mine like an idiot. Yeah, nice. I do too. I I do I do. However. Uh, will say that you can kind of read my writing. It's not the worst, unless I'm in a hurry. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to talk about Charles Fort today, Chris. Okay. Charles Fort, he was born August 6th of 1874. Ooh. In a place that I'm sure you've heard of, Albany, New York. Hey, yeah, it's a couple, It's a few hours away from here, about four hours. But you've heard of it, the capital of yeah. New York. Yeah. Which is Some pretty would wild. say. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it wild how 
a lot of these states, the capital isn't the biggest city in there. It's kind of weird to me. Yeah, you know, it is. It's that's always something I remember when I was a kid growing up, learning stuff like that. That you know, you found out that certain Los Angeles is not the capital of, uh, of yeah. California. Sure, you know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't make sense. Yeah, Sacramento. What? <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird. Well, Charles Fort had an interesting life to kind of put it mildly. When he was just 18, he decided he would travel the world and he went to, he went across the United States. He went overseas and he went, he went over through Europe and he even went through Africa and that's where he would get sick and get really sick. And the nurse that actually helped him when he was sick, that became his wife. So that's how he met her. But all this time he would take kind of odd jobs and stuff. And then on the side, he would write because that was kind of his real passion was writing. He really liked to write things, but he couldn't do it full time. You know, he just couldn't afford to. And he was and he was new. He was young. He had no name value at this time. That is until a relative. I think it was an uncle. If I remember reading correctly, passed away and left an inheritance to him and his brothers. And apparently it was a decent sum. It was enough to the point where he could actually quit his side jobs and just focus on writing because nice. he had that in the back and, you know, he had some financial stability and he could kind of work on his passion, his passion project. Isn't that the dream? It is, it is, it is. And he, you know, and he was kind of a, at this time he already, since he had traveled a lot and seen some things and was writing some things, uh, he he'd already feel like he was gaining some uh, traction and some experience you know, all these things you need to become a good writer. Uh, but here's the thing. I guess I, I guarantee you Carter or any other author could tell you this. Anybody who's written books, writing a book is one thing. I mean, that's hard enough. Getting it published. Yeah. Is another thing entirely. Yep. Right. That's, that's maybe even more tough than the writing itself is getting your stuff published. And just to give you an idea, this guy wrote 10 novels to start out, right? He wrote 10 novels. Only one of those got published. So could you imagine this is, uh, this is just screaming in my artist brain, right? If I worked on so much art, like if I worked on 10 big pieces of art, but only one of them, I got paid for that is dude, that is disheartening in the, the highest order. Yeah. Imagine doing a big 10, 16 by twenties. You yeah. know what I mean? Just completely inked, colored, everything, blood, sweat, and tears into every yeah. p- And the way you do your pieces, those big giant collages of characters, yeah, do, 10 of them, do 10 of them, do 10 of them. And yes. at the end, you're only getting paid for one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't even imagine it. I, I, I would be, no I'd thanks. be angry. I'd be mad. I'd be sad. <laughs> all these things, and it's kind of the same thing for him. He was, I mean, it was getting to the point where he was getting kind of noticed by other writers who could sense some talent there, and they would try to encourage him. But when you know, he, he would get a, a reply back from a publisher saying, we're just not going to put this out. He'd get so mad that he would destroy his, you know, his manuscript or what he had written. He'd get so mad to do that, which I can uh-huh. relate to that a lot. 
And, you know, it was just getting really frustrating. I mean, what was he going to do? You know, but something else kind of happened after this. And that is, you know, Chris, I told you before we started recording that this guy, Charles Fort, is in a way kind of one of the grandfathers of what me and you do. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And that is because as he was doing this, this is in like the 1900s now, he gets interested in strange occurrences, a weird phenomena, that that type of thing, basically things that science couldn't really explain. Mm -hmm. These things really started to pique his interest. And so in 1919, he struck gold when he put a lot of these stories together in one book. And this book that he titled the book of the damned, that's what it's called. That's the title of it. Uh, it, the book has its own Wikipedia page. This thing became a sensation. Hmm. It was a phenomena. Uh, it was basically him talking about everything from UFOs, to uh, creature sightings that, I mean, literally all the stuff we've discussed on this show <laughs> were things kind of the kind of topics that he put in this book and it became a, a, a mega hit, a mega hit. This book was so big that it actually gained him a cult following. How it, big was it? It was so big that uh, this cult following actually gave him a little pep in his step this 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 totally changes the direction of his career because mm. after this book hit and it actually sold really really well he could get other books he wrote published easier that type of thing he had less of a hard time because that's the other thing that I think authors would tell you that once you get one published and it actually does decently then it's a lot easier to get other stuff done right and so that's what's happening to him here and he would of course he would keep on writing other books. And a lot of times they would be about the same type of stuff, you know, weird, strange occurrences and things like that, including in 1932, when he wrote a book called wild talents. Okay. And it's just about kind of what it says about some weird things that humans could do. And he writes about a man specifically name. And this man went by the name of captain. He was a captain. Uh, man, I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm sorry. Uh, Captain Kova Corisis. Kova Corisis. I'm going to call him uh, Captain Cole. <laughs> so much easier for me. So what's the story of Captain Cole about? Why am I bringing this up? Out of yeah, all the stories he told. All right. In 1872, the captain, Captain Cole himself, dies by an extremely odd circumstance that is recorded in uh, one of Fort's books, the, the wild talent book. He records it in there. It's one of his stories. And he got this story from some of the newspapers in the area, that type of deal. That's what, that's the other thing he would do. He would scour newspapers and stuff too, during like his morning routines for things. But why was this an odd circumstance about his death? Well, you see captain Cole, his cause of death was that he was shot to death. Okay. However, there were no bullet holes in his clothes that he was wearing. Well, okay. 
that makes sense. You can shoot him on the spots that aren't his body, right? I mean, he was shot in the heart. Well, okay now. Okay now. <laughs> what? Uh, but according to the book, and even, you know, it was even said in the book and said in one of the, one of the, uh, where he got his information at one of the newspapers, there was no, uh, you know, perforation. Like there's no cuts or tears or anything yeah. on the clothes, that type of deal. So this is really strange. It kind of, to me, sounded like it was almost like if, um, what's a thing? I like spontaneous human combustion yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. type of deal. That's what it's kind of sounded like to me. So it sounded really weird and strange. But like I always do, I'm about to take you behind the curtain. <laughs> of what happened here okay and this happens a lot in these books that i love dearly and i know you've read a bunch of these too where they they kind of compile all of these wild crazy stories yeah and stuff that are true and some of them do have some truth to them but some of them uh maybe the author was fooled and this chris is one of those times okay that charles makes sense. fort uh the man who was so big of an author in this field that me and you love so dearly to the point where, like the follow, there's a following named after him. That's how big he was. Uh, he was foiled. He was fooled. Foiled. He was foiled. Okay. And fooled. He was covered in foil. Here's what really happened to Captain Cole. You see, uh, Captain Cole had a large family. I'm talking, he had a lot of kids, and he had gotten to a point where he could not take care of them. Uh, it was too many mouths to feed. He had a really hard time. Uh, getting a job. I mean, it, it, one of the articles that I read about him said that he he had no job prospects whatsoever. He had kind of, you know, ran his last, you know, his last options out and he didn't know what to do. And then he got this keen idea, Chris, <laughs> to take out a large insurance policy on himself. Oh, okay. A large policy on himself. Now, the reason that we discovered this is because the insurance company that he took this out in decided, we're not just going to pay up right away. We're going to look into this. <laughs> Obviously. And they discovered that the reason that his clothes showed no signs of being shot through, yet he had died of a gunshot, is because he set it up that way. He committed suicide, sadly. Uh, and again, if you're thinking about doing that, please reach out for help. Yeah, but obviously. he, wow. but he thought this was his only way out, so he takes his own life. However, to make sure that his family gets this massive payout from the insurance, he arranged uh, with some help to have his suicide look like a murder. He wanted people to believe that he was murdered, so his family would get the money. What he forgot to think about was the perforations in the, the perforations. He actually really needed those because <laughs> that's what made Lord. it really strange. That's what made it stand out. And that's what caught the attention of the insurance company. That's so sad too, dude, to think yeah. about like that. This dude was so desperate to make sure yeah. that his family was taken care of that. He went that route. Yeah. But Charles Fort had that in his book for the longest time. Uh, and you know, I think there's been plenty of times Charles Fort was basically kind of the same thing as Ripley's, believe it or not, in a way. Sick mm -hmm. uh, for, I think he was more, uh, you know, Ripley is way more about just like weird kind of things. And I think he was, uh, and Fort was more about the phenomena itself. 
sort of like what's strange about this, what science can't explain that type of deal. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to find out that, you know, even uh, I, I'm really curious if he, when he was researching a lot of this stuff, how deep he really, he really dug into them, you know? Yeah. You would think, I mean, if you, if he's, if he found that this was the one, like this is what's getting published. It almost yeah. seems like as soon as I got a story, let me just write it and put it in. I'm not going to, yeah. I don't want to disprove it because it already sounds fantastical and it's perfect for my book. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. And on top of that, that's your meal ticket. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he has a cult following. Yes. He still. Yes. still to this day. He does. And of course wow. he died decades ago, but uh, yeah, uh, his book of the damned is still like a really major book. Like I said, it's got its own Wikipedia page. I did not know this. Wow. Yeah, I okay. want to find this. I want to read it. <laughs> That's but it's interesting. About, but it's about UFOs and all kinds of stuff. So That's awesome. 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 Yeah. Um, mine's going to, like I said to you right before we started recording, and I'm going to let the creepers know, I kind of cheated this week. This week, I didn't bring a That's Odd story. Uh, one of the things we were discussing before we recorded was how crazy the past few months have been uh, in terms of uh, uh, personal lives, work lives, and it has made it difficult to nail down recording sometimes. We've had to postpone a couple of times, and which has left us maybe a week off in terms of releasing stuff. And, you know, I really want to make sure one of the things I said about this year is I really want to make sure to continue to provide content for our creepers, make sure we don't miss our weeks. So one of the things I was thinking about doing to ensure that this doesn't happen um, is actually kind of a cool thing. It's going to provide content for creepers every single week, no matter what. Uh, but it's also kind of a bonus because we're, as long as we're doing history creeps, that's odd, how bizarre, you know, our shows, they'll, they'll get this show uh, that I'm talking about. And then, you know, our regular shows as well. So one of the new things I was looking to do a new series uh, on the history creeps feed here was to kind of give our, uh, do this kind of this day in history thing. But instead, I wanted to do this creepy week in history. And basically, I would just kind of go through each day that, that's in the week we're in and let you know something that happened, uh, you know, in the past on that day. Um, and, you know, because this is creepy, I wanted to keep it kind of creepy. Maybe it might be disturbing, might be odd. Um, but because of that, because, you know, some of them might be a little disturbing or I don't want it to be just nothing but down you know, downer news. Yeah. Uh, I decided I was going to pepper in some fun facts or fun pieces of news as well. So there's going to be two pieces of news for each date in history for the week of what's the week. What's this week? The Mar the week of March 28th through April 3rd. You ready to get into this? I am beyond ready. Let's do it. All right, let's go. March 28th, 1941 English novelist, Virginia Woolf throws herself into the river Aus, I believe it's pronounced. I'm not sure. Uh, River Aus near her home in Sussex. Her body will not be found until April 18th. You know who Virginia Woolf is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of people were afraid of her. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I definitely a name I've heard. She's a, another author, correct? Yeah, she's an author. She had a, 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 a bunch of different novels, a, a bunch of fiction, nonfiction. Um, what but was she the was big one. Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. Um, but I know that she was one of these authors that had struggled with mental illness, at least yeah. what we believe may have been mental illness. Because when you think about the way women were treated back in those days, they were they were institutionalized a lot of times against their will just because they spoke up against their husband, right? So yeah. when you hear this, you have to also really dive deep into it. And I don't I don't know too much on Virginia Woolf, so I can't really speak on it. But from what, what I did read was that there was uh, what they think may have been untreated bipolar because back then they didn't really have what was uh, you know bipolar. 
treatment, uh, a treatment for bipolar, uh, you know, symptoms. Um, so she had been dealing with that. She had had two different mental breakdowns in her life, both after the death of each of her parents. Um, you know, she had been hospitalized a few times. She had attempted suicide a few times. So, you know, it was already that she, she was, you know, a troubled, a troubled type of an artist. And so, right. yes, on March 28th, 1941, she ended up throwing herself into a river, uh, and ended up drowning. So again, like I said, I don't want these to always be downers. So I'm going to throw in some kind of cool things as well. March 28th, 1885, the Salvation Army is officially organized in the United States. So we all know about the Salvation Army, right? There, yep. we, we know about the, the, the money collections at Christmas time. Bringing the bail. At yeah. your grocery store or out on the sidewalks. Uh, there's the Salvation Army where you can go. It's kind of like the thrift store. You can get used items, you know, gently used items. Um, but, you know, back in the day, they were about providing providing services to to the community, you know, all different types of services. So it was actually organized officially on March 28th, 1885. Let's move along. March 29th, 1971. Lieutenant William Calley Jr. is found guilty for his actions in the Mai Lai Massacre. Uh, Lai or Lai? I'm not I'm, I'm pronouncing Maybe it's Lai. M-Y and then L-A-I. So the Mai lie massacre. Uh, if you're not familiar with what this is, the My Lai massacre was a mass murder of unarmed South Vietnamese civilians by U.S. troops in the Song Tin district of South Vietnam on March 16th of 1968 during the Vietnam War. There's Between- a there's a very I hate saying good, but it's a well done documentary that PBS did on this. That's Oof. yeah, that's, it's rough, dude. It's very tough to watch though. Between 347 and 504 unarmed people were killed by the U.S. Army soldiers. Victim in, victims included men, women, children, and infants. Some of the women were gang-raped and their bodies mutilated, as were children as young as 12. 26 soldiers were charged with criminal offenses, but only Lieutenant William Calley Jr., the platoon leader in C Company, was convicted. He was found guilty of killing 22 uh, villagers, and he was originally given a life sentence, but he served only three and a half years under house arrest. Well, so, justice, huh? Yeah, right. This Sweet is justice. Um, again, I don't want to keep it down. So we're, this is what we're doing. We're gonna. I'm gonna give you something that might be a little, a little heavy, and then I'm gonna give you something that's a little fun. March 29th, 1886. Coca-Cola goes on sale for the first time at a drugstore in Atlanta. Doctor John Pemberton claims it can cure anything from hysteria to the common cold. So that's what I'm talking about. Coca-Cola. Next time you got the sneezies. Have a have a can of Coca Cola. Is this what it had real cocaine? Didn't it used to have real cocaine? I believe in so. It? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, cures anything. Cures it causes nosebleeds. Let's <laughs> cause nosebleeds. <laughs> Might keep you up for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting, right? Uh, so it's the it was sold for the first time in a drugstore in Atlanta on March 29th, eighteen eighty six. Yeah, if you go to Atlanta now, there's like a giant Coca Cola museum. Is it really? I did not know yeah. that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's fairly famous down here in the south. Oh, very nice. Very nice. March 30th, 1981. President Ronald Reagan is shot and wounded in Washington, D.C. by John W. Hinckley Jr. So I think almost all of us are familiar with this, right? John Hinckley Jr. was kind of a a mentally ill man as well. He, He was obsessed with the film Taxi Driver and more specific, he was obsessed with Jodie Foster and Jodie Foster's character in this film. Yes. Uh, he had seen the film like 15 times in a row. He kind of envisioned himself as Robert De Niro's character in the film. Um, 
And so he knew that to make himself known to Jodie Foster, he had to make himself important, right? And what did the guy do in the movie do to make himself important? He attempted, or maybe, he, I don't know if he assassinated or attempted the assassination. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I saw it. Uh, of a U.S. senator. So here, John uh, Hinckley decides he's going to kill the president. And it wasn't Reagan at first. It was actually President Carter. Uh, he he was stalking Carter for a while. He got so much as within, I think they said, 10 feet of Carter a few times. Uh, and one time he was arrested at an airport um, that Carter was going to be either landing at or taking off from. I can't remember. But he was arrested uh, because he had firearms on him. The thing was is that... Uh, or maybe it was Reagan at the time, but the thing was, is they didn't realize this. They did the, when they arrested him, they didn't literally connect that. Also, this was going to be the airport that the president was coming through. So the secret service was never alerted to this guy, uh, you know, being a danger to the president. But yeah, on March 30th, 1981, he, he ended up shooting Ronald Reagan as well as two others uh, that were with Reagan at the time. Um, and did you know, by the way, I didn't realize this during, during this time, a, a few days before this president Reagan and his wife had gone to Ford's theater for some sort of speech or some sort of talk. And Reagan would look back and talk about how, uh, days before this assassination attempt, when he was at Ford's theater, he remembered looking up at the box where Lincoln sat and he thought to himself how, eerie it is that even today even with the secret service that they had and the protection that how close somebody could come still and shoot at a president and then days later <laughs> you know this ended up happening yeah wow um march 30th 1858 hyman l lipman of philadelphia patents the pencil with an eraser attached on one end so there you go, Johnny. The reason you can now erase your mistakes is because hyman l lipman of philadelphia patented this novel idea all right race my hymen gotcha <laughs> um let's move on march 31st 1282 yes 1282 the great massacre of the french in sicily also known as the Sil sicilian vespers begins have you ever heard of this i, I don't know this was a successful rebellion on the island of Sicily that broke out at Easter in 1282 against the rule of the French-born King Charles I, who had ruled the Kingdom of Sicily since 1266. Uh, the insurrection began at the start of the Vespers. Uh, Vespers was the sunset prayer marking the beginning of the Night of Vigil on Easter Mondays, uh, 30th March 1282, at the Church of the Holy Spirit just outside of Palermo. Within six weeks, approximately 13,000 French men and women were slain by the rebels and the government of Charles lost control of the island. Wow. Yeah. So it was quite a massacre. Um, you know, the Sicilians rose up. They were, they were just kind of done being, being suppressed by the French king. So they said, no more. Get out of our, get, get off of our island. March 31st, 1889. The Eiffel Tower in Paris officially opens on the left bank as part of the Exposition Universal of 1889. So Most I miss, there. why don't we do that anymore, dude? Huh? Why don't we have expositions anymore? That's a good question. Well, right now I know why, but well, yeah. even, even before that, you know. Because that was this thing that countries in the world did, right? And we, yeah. we all scheduled this kind of big deal where whichever the host country was would be the the mecca for the modern technology of the time the 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 newest versions of architecture the newest uh science you know what were some of the breakthroughs in science 
um, art. Uh, we don't see that anymore. We don't kind of we don't kind of have these grand look what humans can do type of things anymore. I think it's because we can just complain about everything, so, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, even the Awful Towers complained about by the people who live there. They hated that thing. Like uh, they thought it was yeah. a giant eyesore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, also at the exposition, though, this was kind of cool. Edison's phonograph was demonstrated. An exhibit of Bell Telephone and the Western Electric Company was set up, as well as performances by Barnum and Bailey Circus and Buffalo Bill Cody in his Wild West show, which featured sharpshooter Annie Oakley. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So March 31st wasn't all that bad, at least not in 1889. Let's go to April 1st, 1924. Adolf Hitler is sentenced to five years in prison for the Beer Hall Push. Do you know about this? Do you know what this is? Is this when he, um, cause I know he's put in jail for sure. Cause, uh, that's when the whole book thing came about. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it was also known as the Munich push. It was a failed coup by the Nazi yeah. party and, and other, uh, camp bomb leaders in Munich, Bavaria on November 8th and 9th of 1923 during the Weimar Republic. Hitler was wounded during the clash, but he escaped immediate arrests and was spirited off to safety in the countryside. After two days, he was arrested and charged with treason. Treason, sorry. Uh, the push brought Hitler to the attention of the German nation for the first time and generated front-page headlines in newspapers around the world. His arrest was followed by a 24-day trial, which was widely publicized and gave him a platform to express his nationalist sentiments to the nation. So, it's because of the fact that he was arrested and put in on put on trial that he was given this kind of ability to show what he wanted to do and say right it made him a name is what it did yes he was found guilty of treason and sentenced to five years in landsberg prisons where he dictated mein kampf to fellow prisoners emil maurice and rudolf hess this is crazy on december 20th 1924 having only served nine months he was released yeah um let's go five years later and make it a little happier april 1st 1929 the yo-yo is introduced to the United States by Louis Marx. I don't know about happier. It feels a little bit up and down to me. <laughs> but it's very nice. That's a good one. Uh, are you a fan of the yo-yo? Did you play with it when you were a kid? I was always, it always frustrated me because I felt like I couldn't do anything with it. I was going to say, and did was, you try to do the tricks? Yes, I tried. I, re I still remember we had somebody come to, I think it was an elementary school. I'm going to assume that's where it was. And somebody could do yo-yo tricks, and they did it on the stage. Oh. And I was so freaking jealous <laughs> that I couldn't do anything like what this person was doing. I remember, like, I don't know if it was, like, one of these things that came with the yo-yo, but it was, like, a little fold-out that all it showed you was hand diagrams to do the tricks. I remember that, is, yes. like, the worst thing of all time. Like, how yeah. can you do a trick just looking at drawn hand diagrams, yeah. right? And imagine being that artist, Johnny. Don't you want that job? Draw what you think this motion is. <laughs> And then it didn't help that in that you know then uh, in Ninja Turtles two the secret of the ooze that uh, our dear Michelangelo could do all these great yo yo tricks as well. Oh. Even took out some foot ninjas with it. And I remember being Very super jealous. annoyed when you got that you got the the yo yos that weren't like the better version. So the the twine that was tied to the actual yo yo was too tight, so it wouldn't you couldn't even walk the dog. You know where it just kind yes. of spun by yeah. itself. Yeah. That's the trick yes. Michael Enslow did. He walked the dog. There you go. There you go. Uh, all right, let's move on. April 12th, 1932. Charles Lindbergh pays over $50,000 ransom for his kidnapped son. If you know anything about the Lindbergh case, his son was Very kidnapped. Very tragic. 
Uh, you know, he was well known already ha- for having been, you know, the, the, the first man to fly a plane across the Atlantic ocean. Um, so I knew a lot about Lindbergh and I remember maybe hearing this cause when I read it, it was somewhat familiar, but still a little shocking. The dude was a nat- Nazi sympathizer. He was world famous. Um, this was during the time where there were quite a few famous people who were Nazi sympathizers. Yeah. I mean, quite a few big names. You can look into that if you wish. Uh, but what's tragic about him is when I say the Lindbergh baby, basically, and you know, giant spoiler alert here, uh, his, his, he never got to see his child again. Oh yeah. That money did not, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't legit. Like it was right. May 12th when they found his child's remains in the woods. Uh, not far from the Lindbergh home, but yeah, uh, this $50,000 on April 2nd was basically for not it did dude took it and took off. Yeah. Um, let's go a year earlier, April 2nd, 1931 Vern Jackie Mitchell becomes the first woman to play for an all male pro baseball team in an ex- exhibition game against the New York Yankees. She strikes out both Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, her next door neighbor when she was growing up was a man by the name of Dazzy Vance. Uh, he was a base and he was actually a baseball player, major league baseball player played for 20 years. Uh, I remember, I think I saw he ended his career with Brooklyn Dodgers. I can't remember who had said he played with, uh, but he, when she was a little girl, he showed her some of his pitches. And one of one, one of which was his, one of these uh, pitches was a drop ball, uh, which was a, an amazing breaking ball. And it, it blew people away. Uh, so he taught her how to throw that. She ended up playing for a double a AA team. And then during this ex- exhibition game had, a, had a chance to pitch to Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and yeah, struck them both out. Man, what a story you get to tell after that, right? Yeah, right. That's especially, cool. especially yeah. after they get to be, you know, the legends that they are. Yeah. Um. So there you go. That's April second. We are now on the last day of this creepy week in history. Let's finish it off. April third, eighteen eighty-two. The American outlaw Jesse James is shot in the back and killed by Bob Ford. Uh, he was an ex-Confederate. James uh, was part of the James Younger Gang. He and his brothers uh, were very famous, you know, train robbers, um, you, you know, basically bandits that, you know, Wild West bandits, outlaws. And, uh, you know, what ended up happening is Bob Ford ended up joining the gang and took decided to take up the price that was put out on on Jesse James's uh, head and shot him in the back. This way he could get, you know, n- number one, he'd get the reward. And number two, all of the past crimes he had committed with the gang would be absolved. So yes, the uh, Jesse James, and here's the thing about Jesse James. It's crazy because right, he's one of these guys that, you know, was an ex-Confederate. And apparently that was a lot of what you saw with these outlaws during the wild West days was a lot of ex-Confederate soldiers, these soldiers who fought for the South um, that, you know, were kind of, I mean, because listen, after you know this, Johnny, right after the Civil War, it wasn't like you went to your neighbor who you were just fighting with and were just like, hey, buddy, let's what do we, let's have a cookout this weekend. You yeah, know what I mean, it didn't work like that. Yeah. No. So a lot of these people were pushed away from their communities that were kind of, you know, excommunicated. So they moved west and, you know, already being seen as the 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 trouble that they were, you know, it was no good. Um. Let's make this better now. Let's end it on a on an interesting note. April third, eighteen sixty. The Pony Express connects St. Joseph, Missouri, and Sacramento, California. So our very first, uh, you know, 
intercontinental connection of coasts happens through our mail system in which we basically used a bunch of, of runners that would, would carry mail and, and documents uh, for a certain amount of mileage on a horse, meet up with somebody at the end point, that person took it and kept going. And it was just kind of like handing off of the baton until they got to where they needed to go. I'd actually read somewhere that the Pony Express actually did not last near as long as you think it did. No, you're 100% correct. It was actually not, it was a fine, it was not a financial success. It went bankrupt in 18 months. Uh, But it was also because faster telegraph service was established. But what it did prove, what it did prove was that we were able to do something like connect information from one coast to the other. No matter how long it took at that time, you know, it was much better than the kind of one lone stagecoach that would travel that entire time yeah. or the one lone messenger that took that long time, you know, now, I think trains were just kind of getting started yep. during this time too. So they were kind of new. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's our creepy week in history. Like I said, some will be creepy and I'm going to try to alleviate the, the ones that are a little heavier with some kind of fun, cool, interesting facts as well. Nice. Nice. That'll be so a look, lot of fun. Yeah. Look for that every week. Now I'm going to make sure we get this out every week. The goal is to make sure that they're released on Sundays. So if you want to listen to them, you know what the week ahead uh, used to hold. <laughs> you yeah. like that? I do. I do. I do. Very interesting. Very interesting. And very sometimes odd. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Well, Chris, just like my iPhone, my iPhone five, it's time for us to get out of here. Um, that's right. I've got to hold a Viking funeral for my iPhone five. It finally bit the dust yesterday. It's very sad for me. That thing I'd had it for a good two, no, three, four, five years. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I remember when I got it, it was only like two, uh, two, uh, seasons behind. So uh, I had it for a long time, but the poor thing finally gave out. Uh, So I got to go get a new phone very soon. But, uh, so just remember, me in this time of uh, sadness because it's really weird, Chris, to not have a phone. It's I'm, sure. I'm sure you got to be like, you must feel like you're in the dark ages now, right? It's like like yeah. people are like, what does this mean? You're like, I don't know. I don't have Google right now. Yeah. The, the Chris and I can only communicate through uh, messenger. Uh, messenger. Like I got to send Pigeon. Pony Express. Messenger <laughs> Pigeon. That yeah. is. I got to send him a, a, a telegram. Man. Um, yeah, by the way, I got, that reminds me, I've got to go send you my next, my next, uh, message at the Western union. So I'm going to be heading out of the creeper clubhouse here. Uh, thanks for listening guys. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this creepy week in history. Look forward to doing more. Yeah. And make sure you go check out our Patreon. We already got some awesome creepers on there. You get exclusive audio that is only found there for just $3 a month. We very much appreciate all of you who have already joined that it's it's very cool and also we just appreciate any of you who just listened to us it's it's awesome and mind-blowing and very humbling uh, but that's uh, patreon slash history creeps a lot of great uh, a great exclusive audio there but for christopher chavez i am johnny townsend and as always i invite you dear listener to just stay Odd.